following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, April 3rd, 2022, on the basis of Philippians 3, verses 4 through 14. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Well, mark your calendars, clear your schedules, cancel all other appointments for April 20th, through April 23rd. Those are the dates of Mount Horeb's village-wide garage sale weekend. (laughs) Now before you're too quick to sort of dismiss that as no big deal and something you can miss, consider the fact for a moment that you could end up like a couple in upstate New York ended up. Back in 2007, they bought this antique bowl at a local garage sale for all of $3. Turns out after a while, they they had it appraised, and they found out that it was a thousand-year-old bowl from the northern Song dynasty of ancient China. By the time they decided to put it up for auction, the auction house told them that they should expect it to net somewhere between two hundred and three hundred thousand dollars don't worry it didn't actually end up selling for that much instead it sold for well north of two million dollars at the auction that could be you (laughs) you've heard of stories like this before right it happens from time to time people find treasure among what appears to be trash. In fact, it happens so often that they even make television shows about it, right? And yet before you get too excited that that's going to happen to you in a couple of weeks, maybe we should pump the brakes just a little bit. You see, even if there were some priceless item at one of the Mount Horeb Village garage sales, which there probably won't be, of course, there are a couple of problems. The first problem is that the very nature of that situation means that it is going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for you to recognize that item. It could be right in front of your face. You could walk right by it and not even realize it. That's a problem. The opposite is also a problem. Let's say it were obvious what this priceless item was. Obvious not just to you, but of course then it would have to be obvious to everyone else as well. Everyone would want it, which means that no matter how quickly you would try to go to that garage sale, Chances are someone else would get there before you did and be willing to pay more than you would. Well, in the verses that are in front of us this morning, the Apostle Paul wants to talk to us about a precious, priceless commodity. Something that throughout the Bible, including in these verses, is referred to as righteousness. Righteousness is an appraisal. It's an assessment that someone has measured up. It's a verdict that someone has met expectations. It's validation. It's approval for who we are as human beings. And this commodity called righteousness is so valuable that it's not just something that a few people are driving around town looking for. Meanwhile, everyone else couldn't care less. No, even more and more secular psychologists are telling us that the desire to have this thing called righteousness is perhaps more than anything else the thing that drives and explains human behavior. Everyone is in the market for righteousness. 
Well, thankfully, God has solved those two problems I mentioned before that often accompany garage sales and garage sale weekends. On the one hand, God doesn't simply leave us to ourselves to rummage through all of the trash and figure out what really is treasure. He doesn't just leave us to ourselves to figure out where to find the righteousness that we seek. But on the other hand, God doesn't just make it clear where true, valuable righteousness can be found and then just leave us to see who can get there first or who's willing to pay the most. And so in the process, God makes it very clear that when it comes to this commodity that we all seek. We don't need to go driving all around town. We don't need to go stopping at house after house after house. There's really just one address that matters, one house that we need to go to. As we look at these verses from Philippians chapter 3 this morning, we're going to see that God doesn't leave us simply rummaging for our righteousness. Now, I don't know if they actually had rummage sales back in Paul's day, but I do know that in the opening verses of this section, Paul uses the language of a marketplace. He wants to compare two different vendors and therefore two different versions of righteousness. One version is a version that you earn by the things that you do. The other is a gift that you receive because of the things that Jesus did. One is a righteousness that you are responsible for finding. The other is a righteousness that almost finds you. And in case it isn't abundantly clear already, these two versions of righteousness are mutually exclusive. You can't mix and match. You can't have a little bit of one and a little bit of the other because they are diametrically opposed to each other. It's either one or the other. In fact, when you are pursuing one, you are also by definition opposing the other which is why Paul tells us that when he was pursuing a righteousness that was based on his own works, he was also opposing, in fact, persecuting Christ and Christians. So which version of these, uh, which of these two versions of righteousness should we try and acquire? Well, for Paul, the answer was obvious. For starters, even though he absolutely excelled at pursuing a righteousness of his own doing, even though he had infinitely more reason to boast about his righteousness than any of his readers, even Paul knew that no matter how hard he had ever tried, he had never quite attained what he was after. Even on his best day, he may have been approaching it, he may have been getting close, but he was never quite there. On the flip side, as Paul had been pursuing this righteousness by his own good works, he had run into a brick wall by the name of Jesus Christ. Paul had become an eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And in that moment, the true source of righteousness became clear. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is proof that Jesus lived up to expectations, that Jesus met every possible standard. And the message of Jesus, the message that we call the gospel, is not that Jesus' performance needs to be imitated or duplicated by us. The message of the gospel is that through faith in Jesus, we become participants 
in Jesus' performance. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection become ours. They are credited to us through that bond of faith that joins us to Jesus Christ. And so in Paul's mind, it was crystal clear what was worth what. Paul desired nothing more than to gain, to acquire the righteousness of Christ, which also meant that he was willing to let go of everything else. One was treasure, which meant that everything else was trash. Now, in these verses, Paul mentions one alternative vendor and one alternative version of righteousness that a person could pursue apart from Christ. We might call it morality within the context of organized religion. Still very much a powerful vendor of an alternative version of righteousness in our day. As if a certain amount of praying or going to church or volunteering or giving of offerings could somehow earn approval before God. But of course, there are many other vendors and many other versions of righteousness. In fact, the list could go on endlessly. There is morality outside of the context of organized religion. Morality when it comes to social issues and politics. There is the vendor of success and accomplishments, our job titles and our stat lines. There's the vendor of wealth and possessions, our gigantic houses with garages that are bursting at the seams with all of our stuff, spring, ba- spring break vacations at the beach every year. There are the vendors of our beauty our popularity, romance, parenting. The list could go on and on, and yet all of those other versions are really just the same version of righteousness. It's a version that needs to be earned. It's a version that we are responsible for finding. And just as Paul correctly assessed about the one version that he mentions in these verses, all of them are trash. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying here. Each and every one of those things that I just mentioned is a wonderful blessing from God and a blessing that can be enjoyed in a good and godly way. But each and every one of them is trash as the source of our righteousness. And if you don't believe me, follow Paul's advice. Wherever you might be looking for your righteousness, find someone who has more than you. You probably know someone like that, no matter how much you've accomplished, no matter how good you are at something, no matter how wealthy you are, no doubt you know someone who has all of those things, only a little bit more. And so ask yourself, for that person who has more, is it enough for them? Or are they still also looking for even more? In fact, you could go to the very top the people in our world who have acquired the most from all of those alternative vendors of righteousness. And to a one, they would all say the same thing. If everything they've accomplished, everything they've acquired, everything they've achieved is the source of their righteousness, then no matter how much there is, it's never enough. But also listen to Paul's advice when he points you to the one thing that is. 
that Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the one thing that proves that Jesus' performance was enough. And as a result, all those who have faith in Jesus are enough. In fact, we might even have a little bit of an advantage over the Apostle Paul here. No, we are not personally eyewitnesses of the resurrection, but we do live 2,000 years after the fact. And that's important because guess how much more Jesus has needed to do as our Savior in those intervening 2,000 years? Not one thing. His life, his death, his resurrection are still enough. And again, as a result, so are all who have faith in him. It is crystal clear what is worth what. Righteousness that comes from Christ is treasure. Everything else as our righteousness is trash. Well, that sounds pretty obvious, perhaps. It's maybe the kind of thing you'd expect to hear at a church, perhaps. In fact, I'm guessing that maybe for everyone sitting in the room today, you would probably say, of course, of course I don't find my righteousness in how good I am at a certain thing or how much I've achieved in a certain thing. Of course I don't find my righteousness in the fancy car that I drive or the beauty that I possess. And good. It's exactly how it should be. We should all find our righteousness in Jesus Christ. But what's interesting to note is that halfway through this section, Paul all of a sudden on a dime switches metaphors. He goes from the language of the marketplace and starts using the language of the stadium. Paul doesn't just want us to view this righteousness as the kind of thing that we buy one time only and then we're good, it's done. Almost as if it's like the china that we got when we first got married and into the cupboards it went and it hasn't come out since. No, instead Paul says that if this is really where you find your righteousness, this is something you are going to be focused on. This is something you are going to be pursuing, running after, chasing with your life. This is something that you are going to be trying and pressing on to reach out and grab onto. It's this section of Paul's words in front of us this morning that really force us to ask some difficult but important questions about ourselves. It's one thing to say that we all find our righteousness in Jesus, but what do our lives show? What do we somehow manage to always find time for, no matter what? Even though we find it so difficult to spend time in God's word during the week in our homes with our families. What do we seem to always find money for or room in the budget? Even though the second things get a little bit tight, it's our support of the gospel with our offerings that's the very first thing to get cut. When we have opportunities to receive the righteousness of Jesus by gathering around his word, by coming to the Lord's table, but something else is scheduled at the exact same time. What always wins or what always loses? When the most important week of the year for us as Christians is coming up, it starts in seven days, a week that begs us to stop, to grab onto what Jesus did for us, for our righteousness, 
But the world just continues blazing on a thousand miles an hour and doesn't slow down for that week one bit. Where will we be? Paul doesn't just want us to ask, what have I purchased in the marketplace? He also wants us to ask, what am I pursuing in the stadium? And so those are important questions, difficult questions, questions that maybe even make us a little bit defensive, but questions that we all need to ask. And yet here's where it might be tempting for us to sort of fall into that other problem that could so easily happen with garage sales that I mentioned at the beginning. If all of a sudden, among the many garage sales in the village of Mount Corb, everyone knew where to find some precious, priceless item, there would be such a rush, it would be in such high demand that only the person who got there first, only the person who was willing to pay the most would actually walk away with that item. We hear Paul talking about a race, and it sure is easy to slip back into that way of thinking that righteousness is something that we need to, be, that we need to earn or find for ourselves. Normally, the person who gets a prize in the race is the person who wins, correct? Well, thankfully, Paul makes it clear that in this race, that is not the case. Yes, we are running as fast as we can to try and grab onto something, but that something is already our possession because, as Paul says, Christ has grabbed onto us first. Yes, we are running in such a way that we would win the prize, but we know that that prize already belongs to us because, as Paul says, Christ has called us by name to come up to the podium and receive our prize. This is sort of paradoxical, almost nonsensical language that Paul uses. I'm not sure it entirely makes sense in the normal everyday life of the races that take place in a stadium. I'm not sure that the audience that, was, that Paul was talking to would have even understood, based on their experience with races, how this could work both ways. Thankfully, again, we might have a little bit of an advantage over Paul's original readers, because we do have races in our day where this makes perfect sense. So yesterday I ran a marathon over in Waukesha. In case you're wondering, yes, choosing to run a marathon on the first weekend of April is a terrible, terrible idea. And running in the snow is not very fun. In case you're wondering, yes, that's why I'm a little bit slow and maybe even a little bit hobbly today. In case you're wondering, no, I didn't decide to run this marathon just because I knew I was going to be preaching on these verses today. But it is a very convenient coincidence, and I'm not going to let it pass me by. So, when a person who runs a marathon comes home with a medal like this, why is that the case? Why did they get to take home a medal like this? We might be tempted to think that they earned it, right? It's because they successfully completed the race. True enough, I suppose, but there's more to the story than that. You see, this medal, just like a medal that belonged to every other runner in the race, was already at the finish line even before the race started. And it wasn't just one runner, the one who came across the finish line first that got to take home a medal, but every single runner did as well. Why was this medal there? Doesn't sound very exciting, but because it was purchased. It was bought and paid for. I signed up for the race. I paid the entry fee. The medal was waiting for me at the finish line. All I had to do was get there. All I had to do was not give up, to not quit. And in the very same way, if you really wanted a medal like this, you could do the same thing, you know. 
you could sign up for a race, you could pay the entry fee, and then, whether you fancy yourself a runner or not, as long as you got to the finish line, that medal would be yours. The only thing that would keep you from getting that medal, that prize, is if you gave up and stopped. In the very same way, why is there a prize that Paul could hold out for us? It's not because we're the fastest or the most in shape Christians. It's not only the best of the best that's going to get there first and win that prize. No, it's because that prize has been purchased. Jesus' life, Jesus' death paid for that prize for us. And Jesus' resurrection is where that transaction cleared and the confirmation email got sent to our inbox letting us know it's there, it's done, it's waiting for you. It's not just the winner of the race who gets the prize. Instead, this righteousness and the prize that goes with it is available to all who pursue it. Which means that you don't have to worry about something happening to you that probably has happened to you in the marketplace. Some new valuable item hits the market. A new iPhone gets released. Concert tickets go on sale. A beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood hits the market. And yet, no matter how much you want it, no matter how fast you try and get there, someone else gets there first, or someone else is willing to pay more. That would be where we would end up if obtaining this righteousness depended on us. No matter how much we would ever achieve, no matter how successful we would be, no matter how wealthy we would ever be, we would always get there and find someone else has more. And inevitably, we would be stuck trying to find another vendor and another version of the righteousness that we crave. Thankfully, because this righteousness has been purchased for us, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to go from house to house. We don't have to go from vendor to vendor. Once again, when it comes to this priceless commodity, there's one address, one house that matters, and the door is always open. So anytime we show up looking for that righteousness that we need, we will find it in abundant supply. Amen. Amen.